<laughs> that would have been the perfect banter for this episode, huh? <laughs> right, yeah. Just Chinese chicken and X-Files. X-Files, because... That's all know, I thought about. Yeah, laughter and, you know, silliness, you know, lots of jokes. Joy. Yeah, yeah. Joy persevering. And there's joy. There's joy. There's joy, and there's perseverance. There's those kind of... Virtu- I persevered. You, I mean, it is three hours. It is. It is. Thanks, Keithan. Thanks, Keithan. We love you. I think that's all the banner we've got. So hello again, and welcome to the Good Trash Honor Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in film studies course, unless maybe you're doing a Patreon pick from one Keith and Smith, in which you watch Terrence Malick's uh, 2019, 2020? 2019. It's, well, it's like the release schedule's like 2019 on it, isn't it? Was it was late 2019. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, depending on what list you're reading, where it might appear as somebody's best of list, if it appears on a best of list, right around 2019. Uh Film by Terrence Malick, A Hidden Life, um, loosely based on a rando quote from George Eliot, which is a rando quote from Colossians. But anyway. Well, it's loosely based on a real life and And also, yeah. Story. The, yeah, well, yeah. Franz Jugendstigendein. He's white, so we can mess up his name. You know, we can actually be extremely disrespectful of German names, is the thing. They've allowed us to do that for all of eternity. So more based on that with the title pulled from George Eliot. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, yes, uh, all respect to the blessed Franz um, Jägermeister, whatever his name is. Jägerstotter. Jägerstotter. Uh, is it Jägerstotter or Jägerstotter? I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm just telling you what I see written down on the on the old wiki. It is Jägerstotter. I think it's a stotter. Yeah. There's double... You're very comfortable with that language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double Something umlauts. We need to know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I read German theologians in um, yeah, seminary. Yeah. <laughs> I read resistors. Anyway. I bet you did. Didn't know what to look for. <laughs> anyway. Um, I love that this is the energy you're going to bring in today. <laughs> this is good. I'm still Dustin. Look at how he's holding that jacket. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I'm still Arthur. Oh, I know. Of course, I'm still Dalton. Uh, yeah. We've got to keep the humor alive for this one. Yeah, I can't... think you're right. Uh, well, because there's <laughs> not a lot to be had. Um, no. In case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, we are not going to spoil this movie that's very recent until uh, a point of the show in which uh, we're going to let the spoiler sort of uh, embargo be released uh, and let you know um, the things. <laughs> Uh, which I hopefully that's not a spoiler all by itself. But the way to look is this: we'll have a synopsis, mm-hmm. which will be spoiler free. Mm. We'll talk about whether or not we like it or not, which ought not spoil it unless you know something of our tastes, perhaps. Then, I think that'll not spoil it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be, be fine. fine. Um, then we'll get into our game, which will probably spoil it a little bit. Um, at least my gameplay will, which is uh, expanding the syllabus. We'll talk more about that when we get to it. And then um, all spoiler all all spoiler bets will be off once we get to uh, business, and there'll be funny music, which will be largely inappropriate uh, for <laughs> what's happening in this film. So there you go. That's Real what's happening. Real juxtaposition. Real <laughs> oxymoronic episode. That's what we. Yeah, that's that's what we're bringing we, to the we, table. We're always oxymoronic um, in many onomatopoeic senses. <laughs> Emphasis on them. <laughs> Historically, this is how we deal with uncomfortable films. Yeah, it's just cutting up a lot. I, I mean, our uh, our episode on the Nightingale is just a hoot and a holler, a laugh riot. Some just, would say just a one a minute. Laugh a minute. <laughs> <sighs> Arthur, do you have a synopsis for us? An Austrian farmer struggles with his faith and conscience when he's asked to pledge his loyalty to Hitler and the Nazi party. Dun, dun, dun. You always are afraid that they're going to come to your door and make you do it. But, you know, sometimes they actually do do it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, yeah. bottom I, dropped out here, didn't it? That, I, I, I had seen the movie, so that makes you two the virgins. So, right. Dustin... What did you think of Taron Malick's A Hidden Life? I think it's great. I man, it's 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 really really good. It, it it's amazing how long it is and how I'm able to maintain interest. It's also amazing what Malick's style does. He's got this weird ability to use camera movement and camera mm-hmm. angle next to landscape to create sort of a, a weird equation where that, you know, the movement plus the angles equals memory. I don't know how he does it. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's there. And uh, it, it really is fascinating. And sometimes it's the way in which the camera does not quite capture all of the image, but captures like the, 
it's it's a strange juxtaposition of that and the editing uh, that's able to do that. And I think in that sense, it is brilliant. It is unlike Tree of Life. It is more narratively cohesive. It is more narratively standard, I suppose. We are following the historic, you know, um, events of the life mm-hmm. of um, Mr. Jägerstadter. Um, I'll remember it now. Um, You'll never forget now. I'll ne- never, never again. Uh, but so that helps, I think, a little bit for maybe a less Terrence Malick um, initiated audience. Malick-averse. Malick-averse yeah. audiences, perhaps. It is a movie, but it's unlike other movies. It, it It's weirdly narrative and meditation or contemplation, really, mm-hmm. if you want to think about these sort of stages of Lectio Divina, which maybe you should when you watch a movie like this. Um, so it, it's weirdly like you're doing the reading uh, of the facts, but you're also contemplating simultaneously. And the way the movie creates that space is pretty brilliant. Uh, performances are good. Music's good. Uh, cinematography is definitely the star of all of this, next to editing. Uh, are really just the stars of, of the composition of the film. So I really, really enjoy everything about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Thanks, Keithan. So, uh, Dalton, what do you think? I like the first half a lot more than I like the second half. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel like I get lost in the Malik rhythms around the halfway point. I was thinking about act structures, and it's like it's, a, it's really a two-act structure film. It is, really. With, like, there's, like, something that happens in the last half of the second act that feels like a third act, but it's not really a third act. It's just a long second act. Yeah, yeah it is sort of more of that. I think that's a really good way to look at it. And I watched it in two halves. Uh, I didn't plan on that. It just is sort of how my watch worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and that probably hurt things, because I was really invested in the first half of this film. And, and the second half, I just... I got a little too lost in the loops. Um, you know, that's that's the thing that Malik loves to play with is these sort of elliptical, lyrical loops of of voiceover and memory. And I, I think you're right. The the camera work is so effective as far as like keeping it things subjective, which is it's so interesting. Like how much he wants you to be in Franz and uh, Franny's like POV, and he like wants the camera to look up when they're looking up, and wants the camera to swoon while they're swooning. Like it's it's really really exciting uh, for the first half, and then the second half, I'm just it's too many montages of prison doors. Like I, I get I get it. It I, doors are closing, are they not? Doors are closed, and it sucks to be incarcerated, <laughs> especially for political reasons. God, I don't know that I needed a full 80 minutes of it. You know, I just, I tried to hang on. I really wanted to because I liked the first half of the movie so much. Because I'm really compelled by this story of, you know, Franz looking around this community and watching it not make sense to him anymore. And watching, like, are am I taking crazy pills here? Mm-hmm. What is with you people? And I, I was just so on board with, you know, his this fear that like manifests between him and Franny and the, the sort of as we get on the road of the story. And when we get to where we are, of course, going, I think it, it resolves really powerfully. You know, I'm, I'm there for the end of this movie and it really worked on me. But, you know, it just we spend a lot of time sort of meditating on the sacrifice. And it makes sense to me that that's what Malik wants to focus on. I, I totally kind of get it from a conception uh, of, of what the story should look like in a, a construction standpoint of like, you know, how do we put this story together and when what should it look like in its finished form? Like, I understand how we got this product. I just don't know if it needed to the full three hours i don't know that it ever justifies that to me and i i'm just i I really i've been watching a lot of long runtime movies lately um partially because i'm you know trying to get caught up with the 2022 best picture nominees uh partially just for my own picks but you know this one just i i I struggled with the last half of this movie i really did but again everything that's dustin said is absolutely true the cinematography is wonderful i mean the location scouting that they they made they did was whoo boy did they find some pretty places in austria uh and that's that's that malik you know style it's just like boy isn't nature great he he really does love to remind you uh of the, the beauty of the natural world and i think that that is so important to like the themes in this film that like it it really you know his style feels so suited to this story it really does and that was one of the things that i i was responding to in the the first stretch is just how much this feels right like it just a a, a, just a really perfect combination of storyteller and story uh, as far as you know kind of cultivating this mood that's 
whimsical and melancholic and it's really operating at a couple of levels throughout most of the film and i was that that aspect of it i was really impressed with throughout even when i was kind of rolling my eyes at some of the repetitions i was still like you are kind of making me feel what i think you want me to be feeling and uh that that has never stopped being impressive so uh, a film that is ultimately a success for me i just i wanted to like it more than i did Mm. uh arthur this was just the second viewing for you yeah i'd seen it 2019 i guess when it came out um and i remember then kind of being cold on it and i think that remains i want to i want to like this movie a lot more than i do and Mm -hmm. i think probably that first hour and a half i think it's better than tree of life in a lot of ways yeah Uh, i i like tree of life quite a bit um and i think your point it is the idea of it i think it just goes on a little too long and it never feels indulgent to me like it doesn't feel like upstream call, you know, it doesn't feel like that kind of a thing that's going on. It just feels like maybe trying too hard to get the point across in, in yeah. ways. Right. And so, uh, I, I really like the idea. I think the story is just so riveting of, of, of Franz and then this struggle. And, uh, I think it's really one to you know wrestle with and, and mm-hmm. to be contemplating on and thinking about. And so, you know, I, I, a lot of ways, I, I like it a lot more, but I, I think the, the length just does hinder it a little bit uh, for me to, to really falling for it, like like I do with Tree of Life. Because even though Tree of Life is long, um, I feel like there's just some more stuff to go. And mm-hmm. also, there's like a 30-minute dinosaur thing, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, so I feel about Thin Red Line, like also super long, but you know, it's dudes walking around the jungle looking for danger. So yeah. I'm a little bit more... And there's like, just a little more hang. meat there. Yeah. Right. And and this is very, 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 you know, you mentioned it does have kind of a classical structure. We have a setup, a catalyst. We've got mm-hmm. a move into the debate and, and really just kind of settles on the debate part of the structure, right? It is, do you do it or do you not? Right. And, and that's the movie. I, I think to your point, like the way it really wrestles with that idea within the community because it's not so much. I mean, Franz is having something of a, a crisis of you know faith and morality, and she do this, but the whole community seems to be kind of like the way it just. Yeah, I'm much more interested in the boiled. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, and so um, I think there's a lot to like here. I, I really do, um, and I want to like it a lot more uh, than I do. Uh, cinematography, as you mentioned, is just incredible, stellar. But also, uh, I love this, and I, I should have some more looking but uh the the production design i I love this little community Mm. i love the way these buildings are set up and struck like i love their house uh Mm -hmm. the the way it's built and designed and i don't know if they found sets or or if they found a city or they built surprised they built it all yeah yeah it's just stunning i think from i I, there's so something about that little community that's just really you know appealing i think from a simplicity (laughs) right it's this idealist little farmer village you you know when we watched days of heaven a million years ago Mm -hmm. that whole depiction of farm life did not really work on me and in this movie i'm totally like God, yeah, maybe I should have been an Austrian farmer. I know. Damn. <laughs> I don't know if it's the 10 years since or people devolving into lunacy or what it is, but yeah. something about it here is very... He just shoots it so yeah, well. I, I, could, I could raise turnips yeah. And, yeah. and be very happy. Uh, yeah, pota- potatoes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Putting potatoes digging in the dirt. in the earth and Ooh, threshing. Just digging um, in the earth with my, my lover's hands next to mine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I am right there with you, Yeah, man. I don't... There's something about it. So uh, everybody's great, uh, you know... August Dial is not a Skarsgård. Uh, playing Franz Augustoffer <laughs> is uh, really good. Yeah. And everybody's really good here. Um, so, I, you know, I, th- I think that's where I'm at. I think it's... Did uh, you recognize Michael Nykist from... Uh, I saw he's in it, but I, I, yeah. I didn't this recognize his last him. performance. He's, he's the priest in... Uh, he's the priest, and he's from Girl of the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know yeah, yeah. Mike Nyquist. Well, I, I his... said for the sake of listeners. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah, also his yeah. last performance. That's... Yeah. I have... Oof, that's... Good last performance, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. He to, chose his roles really interestingly later on. For him to show. Because he's in... Is he one of the Mission Impossibles? Is he in three? Yeah, four. Four. He's the heavy in four. Yeah. And then, of course, he's the heavy in John Wick one. Yeah. 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 Very appropriate. famously. Um, so, yeah. I, I think this movie's got a lot going for it. I don't know that it can kind of overcome the weight of that runtime and the meticulous nature of the way uh, Malik's wanting you to reckon mm-hmm. with what's being presented. But thematically... I think it's super important and you know, this is one I'd want more people to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, coming from a spiritual Christian background even, it's the kind of Christian movies you want. Yeah. 
And so that's where we're at. All right, very good, very good. Uh, our, our biases are generally pro with some, you know, reservations, but generally pro. Uh, thanks, Keith. Uh, well, I'm going to say that a lot, I think, over the course of the show, and uh, because I hadn't caught this one, and I'm glad that I did. But moving on, I was now, wondering if you, I, I figured you would go for it. Yeah. I'm, very up your alley. It, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I, I have a couple of alleys, and it's kind of in all of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it is your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one, one of several, but yes, yeah. Uh, all we needed was, you know, kung fu. And I was, was going to say, there was some kung fu in it, and maybe like a Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yeah, it's like, then it's perfect, right? Uh, I'm a weird duck. Anyhow, let's uh, do something else weird. Let's do um, <laughs> our game, which is uh, expanding the syllabus. Um, Dalton, can you explain what that's all about? Yeah, so this is the part of the show where we talk about the, the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, and we try to do it in a film studies type way. Obviously, this week, our good friend Keith has picked for us a film that you might actually see in a film studies course. You know, it's it's meets a lot of the criteria directed by one of, you know, a, an agreed upon master uh, about heavy subject matter, uh, you know, interesting in form and style. So there's a lot of reasons you would actually discuss this. Uh, but that's what we'll try to do is we've all created academic courses where you would teach a hidden life and we're going to you know present some additional films or other texts that would pair nicely with it. Correct, correct. Do you come? Do you come prepared? Do you come correct? Do you come correct? In fact, <laughs> every single Sunday. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I've got a syllabus here that uh, I think this would be great in a module. I, I think you could do an entire World War II on film class, and you could do an, just a module in the class about Nazi Germany, like mm-hmm. how we, how do we even like narratively try to deal with that kind of that imaginary witness kind of. Totally. And I didn't even think about that, but we would absolutely talk about the movie Imaginary Witness. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. A great documentary that we we covered on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You have to talk about it. It's Mm -hmm. so important to talk about. Uh, For those of you not in the know, Imaginary Witness is sort of, it's a documentary that sort of asks, like, what do we talk about when we talk about the Holocaust and like when we try to tell stories about it, like what are we even doing? And it, it examines like real Hollywood history, real, you know, World War II history and, and the intersection of those two things uh, just really is kind of an interesting tale of how we got all these stories. Uh, of course, you know, you could look at the, the one of the biggies on the eye chart, uh, Schindler's List, uh, you know, it's sort of became the granddaddy of American Holocaust movies in the 90s in, in mm-hmm. some regards. Like, it sort of kind of just took over. It was like, this is the one. Yeah. We found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with good reason. It's a, it's a really powerful film. It works on pretty much every level. Uh, it It is really Stephen at a different volume for him. Uh, and he's he is well equipped to do it. I, I think it's a great film. Uh, but I also want to look at a less successful film. I want to look at Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. which uh, you know is is trying to be much more grounded in the everyday concerns of of people living under this regime. You know, Schindler's List is much more about the, the people who are intersecting with the bureaucracy that allows this machine to go on. And Jojo Rabbit is about a child. Uh, couple of children uh and by some accounts does one of those children really dirty uh if you if you uh, uh isn't one of the kids like a hitler youth and hitler's his imaginary friend yeah yeah that's okay. jojo i haven't seen the movie yeah. so i'm just asking he becomes friends with the jewish girl and some people feel that the movie does her kind of dirty and i'm i think that that's an interesting read and i'm kind of on board with it um you know sounds like a lot of discourse around this one okay. and i think would be super useful in this class to kind of like okay like how do we tell this story like how do we think about the psychology of people living through this time uh i would would want to look at inglorious bastards because i think it lets us play with the ethical questions of you know what we talk about when we talk about punching nazis um you should do it uh but you know there's a cost that comes with that and that's what inglorious bastards Can is makes you us with. when he was a baby and you know I'm making hand gestures yeah. of a garrote here. Maybe the best joke in all of the, the MCU. In, yeah. Is, is the do we strangle baby Thanos joke? Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that that's a good one to look at. And of course, uh, the very famous film Downfall um, about. You don't know this film, Dustin? Arthur, I'm surprised you don't. You're a little bit more online than Dustin. This is the, uh, the, the, the very memed scene of Hitler in the bunker. People have like changed the captions to be about all manner of things 
Uh, you guys don't know this meme? Wow. No. So there's a meme. Uh, it's a scene of an <laughs> Tell actor. Tell me more about memes, kid. I will. Uh, this is an old one, too. I don't know that this gets used much anymore, but it's a scene from this film, Downfall, and it is a, a Hitler biopic. Okay. Uh, German produced, uh, and it is like about the final days of the Third Reich and like okay. what Eva was it like to be in, yeah. yeah, what was it like to be in the inner circle when it was all coming down. And there's a, a big scene where like he like tells all the aides to leave the room, and it's just him and the generals, and it's uh, it's very heated, and like everybody's like, oh god, how do we how do we foo foo his boo boos right now? Uh oh. But the the meme is like taking the subtitles and changing it to be about him finding out they're doing a Lady Ghostbusters or whatever. Oh, you can okay. you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but or finding out that uh, meme culture is weird. Yeah, it's it, it's also great. Yeah, it's no, great. Meme. oh, I didn't say it was bad. Weird's not not a bad quality yeah, it for me. It only yeah, it makes it for more useful. Yeah, I mean, it only makes it more useful in my opinion. As yeah. far as like a text to talk about in a class, the fact that it's like been eaten alive by internet culture, like makes it even more valuable hmm. fascinating uh because it changes everything about the film in some ways uh, and again it's a film that i only know through this context but it is well regarded uh, at least you know in what little research i've done on it because i've always been curious about this film like is it even good and it is you know that's the the gist that i have gotten is like no it's it's like considered a definitive like german film about nazi germany hmm. uh, but also is great meme fodder so those are some of the films that we would look at and again i think you could do you know some pacific front films uh you could look at the soviet union and again you could look at uh american films but other national cinemas and because all of the different national cinemas are going to have a different take on the material obviously and i I think that would be a big point of discussion in, Mm. in a class that would use a hidden life and again i think the hidden life would be maybe the most valuable text as far as what it would it be like to to not recognize your home anymore. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I think that that's how we would teach it. Very fun, very fun. Well, what do you got uh, there, Arthur, for a syllabus on a hidden life? Uh, well, mine wouldn't be too far off because I, I still have kind of a war slant or war adjacent slant. Um, I think specifically, though, I look at war biopics mm. uh, in general, I think with an emphasis on historicity and talking about that, Imaginary Witness is on here for that nice. purpose because I think it helps place that into context uh but i think it also takes some rhetorical approaches as well and a view the way in which the ethos of these figures is constructed mm-hmm. and maybe even do that in comparison with some of the, the works that they're based off of or just the larger general understanding of these figures and how those ethos compare contrast and i think that would even be some of the the major assignments are you know do your research on x person watch X movie and then do the comparison of yeah. that ethos in those two works for background dear listener in case you are listening to Arthur talking about ethos here and you're thinking ethics he doesn't mean that he means more ethos in the sense of Aristotle's uh, rhetorical appeals which means more about credibility uh, there so um, establishing the credibility and the believability of the various yeah. characters and then the idea of printing the legend as yeah, well yeah, that yeah. kind of goes along with mm-hmm. that so uh, I think these first three Two of them I immediately thought of. So I think we started off, though, with The Passion of Joan of Arc. Yeah. I, nice. I think is where we really kicked this off. We might see that one again. Yeah, I figured. Uh, there. But the two that really came to mind for me, especially in direct uh, conversation with A Hidden Life, were Sergeant York and Hacksaw Ridge, mm-hmm. uh, both which followed two American soldiers, very similar stories, these you know pacifists who uh, get convinced to go into to war and you know finding their role within that and wrestling with their faith wrestling with understanding of war and death and killing and you know all those lines and how muddy it all gets i I think that's a really interesting uh juxtaposition against a hidden life Mm -hmm. you know where we see something like that play out uh so we take a look at those um then uh, uh we would look at Two, uh, I think, really interesting pieces because I want to put American Sniper and Lincoln in here. Interesting. Uh, I think okay. American Sniper and the story of Chris Kyle and the way that movie plays it and, and the way Eastwood draws Chris Kyle versus who Chris Kyle was as a person mm-hmm. and the way in which that movie becomes, you know, a lot of these are obviously, you know, we chalk up under that list of propaganda. Yeah. But I think Chris Kyle, very easily, the way in which it paints his portrait as American hero, war savior, sniper elite, 
right? I, I think there's a lot there to really wrestle with and, and, and to deal with. Uh, Lincoln as well, right? And, and the ways in which what we understand through history classes, at least when I was growing up, and presentation of Lincoln and his support of ant- being anti-slavery, but not necessarily anti-racism. Right. And all Strong of Strong segregationist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of those questions and really grappling with who is the real Abe Lincoln versus how we picture him, how we study him, and what that actually means. When you don't think about those like grand sweeping moments of historical change, like having the same backroom dealings that like all historical moments have, right? Like, and I think that's what you makes Lincoln useful is like using that book, A Team of Rivals. I think is the mm. the book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I that that always was what struck me about that movie is like how much you know Spielberg is like making us think about historicity yeah. and like what things were it's like. It's really getting into that minutia of the moments, mm, you know, I think, yeah. which is very counterintuitive, something like a great man approach to history where you're yeah, just yeah. looking at the big sweeping things like you mentioned. Mm. Um, from there, and, and we'll probably just jump into uh, this from there as well. And we look at To Hell and Back, uh, oh, the Audie man, Murphy yeah. story. My grandpa um, yeah. loved that My movie. dad loved To Hell and Back. Um, I loved Audie Murphy in yeah, general, yeah, but loved that yeah. movie. So, yeah. you know, Audie Murphy coming out of the war is one of the most decorated war bats of all time. I don't know if that stands. I don't have his trading card. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, he writes his autobiography. He goes to Hollywood. They try to make him a star. Which is, that whole thing is interesting in and of yeah. itself. All right. And then he writes to Helen back and they option it, uh, adapt it, and they want him to star as himself in the movie about himself. So, I, I, I mean, just layers upon layers mm-hmm. there, I think, and especially from a rhetorical Pretty standpoint. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and, and kind of the way in which Audie Murphy was hesitant to do it as well, because, I mean, Good Lord, right? Yeah. Uh, for image sake. But anyway, uh, we'd look at that as well. And, and then I think we would probably also get to Schindler as well mm-hmm. at, at the end there, or at some point in there. But really looking at it from that angle in which these figures are, how they're painted by the films, mm-hmm. how we understand them culturally, just through even hearsay, and then versus what information, doing research we could find on them to understand who they actually were and what they stood for, what they believed in, and the way all of that is shaped. And the way in which, we talked about this, I think, when we did Imaginary Witness, Mm. the way in which movies paint our understanding of history and how, if we're not careful, especially with figures like with Franz Jägenstager, right? If, If this is the only thing people knew about him, to watch this movie, found out it was based on a true story, anytime they picture him, they're going to picture you know, this actor, this mm-hmm. moment deal. Yeah. Versus something like Ford vs. Roy, where you have Matt Damon playing Carol Shelby, you know, that's a weird disconnect of star playing character versus unknown character versus indie character versus blockbuster kind yeah. of elements and factoring all that into that. Totally. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking about like just the war mem- when you mentioned Helen back, like the war memoir alone is like, especially yeah. like the, the mini, the Pacific, the mini series they did as a follow yeah. band of brothers is like based on Eugene Sledge's memoir and a dude who served with John Bassalone, um, a couple other memoirs. Mm-hmm. And like that, I just find that aspect of like trying to tell historical tales very interesting. And I haven't like got it. I mean, PT-109 with JFK. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I was going to say, even getting into something like uh, Platoon and Born on the Fourth of July, yeah. which obviously not Oliver Stone movies about Oliver Stone, but who lived those experiences yeah. and was coming at it from that mm-hmm. background. Yeah. Hell yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that a lot. Uh, I thought about the movie more in terms of, well, martyrdom. Um, I happen to know a thing or two about Franz Jägerstadter is that he is uh, currently, this, I, okay, this is this is the sort of, um, you know, the uh, XP power-up levels of uh, the Catholic Church here. Yeah, he's and been so, beautified, he, right? Yeah, he's blessed now. So he's been beatified, but he's not yet been canonized. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's on the fast track to becoming a saint at this point, his sort of... Uh, his star now, is I, rising. Now, yeah. Dustin, as I understand it, the yes. rules are that means he definitely went to heaven and he's allowed to intercede on my behalf if I ask Correct. for his help. Okay. Yeah, we know that. Uh, he'll be a saint once I think they confirm three miracles. Okay. It, there's other stuff. Gotcha. But... So if I one punch man like a 300 pound Nazi. Probably no help. And I attribute France. it to, to to France. That that is that a, is that a plus in his column? That, that, that seems like unlikely, considering who France was. Okay, fair if point. You, <laughs> if you KO that Nazi, I think France would be pleased with me. Honestly, 
<laughs> I saw how he interacted with the mayor. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, I was thinking about martyrs. Sure. And uh, the the films about martyrs and various kinds of martyrdom, uh, and, and and to think about it in those terms. And so, uh, in the classic sense, we could. I mean, this movie is a great example of sort of a, a contemporary film about a World War Two martyr. Uh, I'm looking also at Joan, the Passion of Joan of Arc by Carl Theodore Dreyer. Uh, again, we've talked we've talked about the movie on the on the podcast about a year ago now, uh, last January when we did our sort of French uh, anti-trash marathon, and it's a great example of that sort of personal martyrdom, and, and again, a really kind of a fascinating style of filmmaking, and I think the style is kind of interesting uh, to think about these movies. Uh, moving forward, uh, another contemporary film that sort of, what's uh, the word I'm looking for, problematizes, troubles, uh, complicates the world of mm-hmm. martyrdom is uh, Martin Scorsese's Silence, mm-hmm. in which... To opt out of martyrdom for the sake of life-saving for others and the, the hidden Christians of Japan during the Edo period is a really kind of a fascinating way to think about martyrdom mm-hmm. and a different kind of martyrdom. That What is martyred is at least the outward tokens of one's faith uh, for the sake of one's faith, perhaps. Uh, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, really, really kind of fascinating uh, set of stories there. And uh, an interesting counterpoint to uh, the sort of saying, Hail Caesar, that is the uh, problem of um, a hidden life. That is not the pro- That is also the problem of the the Japanese story uh, of silence. So thinking about it in those kinds of terms, and then I was thinking about some contemporary, uh, you know, non or we'll say secular kinds of martyrs. Um, Paul Greengrass's United Ninety Three mm-hmm. is a, is a celebratory story of uh, mm-hmm. those uh, uh, passengers on uh, the the plane that crashed into the field in Pennsylvania. And then I was thinking about Michael B. Jordan in uh, Fruitvale Station um, mm. from Coogler as a, a different kind of martyrdom. Mm. Yeah, the, uh, the Oscar Grant story. Yeah. yeah, and so thinking about those stories, again, which are, in, in terms of style, really kind of unique and different uh, as well. And so I, I'm just curious as to, this is sort of like my half-baked hypothesis there, is that we have ways in which we celebrate lives and the kind of lives we choose to celebrate mm-hmm. and the kinds of martyrdoms and victimizations that tend to make their way into the stories that we tell uh, with some complications thanks to uh, Scorsese, I think, there. But also thinking about the ways in which uh, cinematic style, uh, that there's a way in which these kinds of stories, because of their sort of natural spiritual bent, uh, sort of invite different sort of stylistic techniques that would not play out quite as well in traditional cinema. Because, I, I mean, I've seen a couple of Paul Greengrass movies like The Bournes and, and whatnot, and United 93 is a much more experimental than uh, those other films, yeah, to my mind. Even, even Fruitvale, which is, like, very, you know, classical in some senses, is, like, a very straightforward narrative, is, like, very poetic and mm-hmm. meditative in some yeah, ways. Yeah, there's a sort of lyricism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, yeah. Try to like, that. The, again, that's very much doing the hidden life thing of trying to exalt, like, everydayness. Mm-hmm. There's a little devotionality to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very very interesting as, as to those approaches that's a good movie. Uh, in those films. Uh, and so that's that's what I would be, and I might, use, I might stick it as a module in film and theology or mm-hmm. something like that if I were to do it mm-hmm. in a course. So um, those are our thoughts, dear listener, and your syllabus just got much longer. I believe, no, now, I believe, though, now it is time to get down to business. Yes, business. So yeah, if you didn't pick up from Dustin's syllabus, uh, they they did they did mar- martyr France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. France is gonna die. Yeah. Uh, that's the spoiler. They got guillotined, I guess. Yeah. Oof. To know that was a they were using that one much in old. Well, they were they, they, well for Nazi for land. citizens. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how they they did the citizens because you had to you gotta murder lots of your own people too when you're doing something like that. Yeah, that's sort of project. Whew. Yeah, it is. Ah, oh, man. Um. Couple things we could talk about with mm-hmm. the movie. Um, one of the things Do you want to talk about Christo fascism. I we we could start with Christo fascism. <laughs> we don't have to start there. <laughs> I mean, that we're going to get there eventually. I watched Mark Maron's new special as sort of like a uh, a pairing with this movie. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. thought it would be interesting. <laughs> and yeah, it was. Well, it, it, it was. Tell me more about the cheese that goes with this wine. Yeah, so you know, Maron uh, very much uh, is having fun uh, at 
Kurt and Culture's expense and uh, has a lot of fun by talking about being a Jew and replacing people and getting bonuses for each one he replaces and mm. getting his special diamond from George Soros. And mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, it's, it is a very fun pairing with this as far as just like, I, I you know, I, comedy is in a real weird spot right now. And yeah. Mar- Marin's got some material on anti-woke comics in this special as well. Uh, but I, I just think it's an interesting pairing with A Hidden Life to like, you know, we've got a very, very modern in terms of, you know, the 21st centuryness of it, but a, a very modern, very virulent strand of fascist and far right thought going around internationally these days. And it was interesting to watch a comic try to reckon with that mm-hmm. and and find the humor in that and and you know how do we deal with this problem again i mean there is very much a you know old boomer lib flavor to this movie as far as it being terrence malick trying to unpack the trump administration right, right? like i know it's an easy read of this movie yeah and i, and I don't think malick is saying that trump is hitler hitler no, trump you know or no. anything like that but i think there is a sort of connective tissue of the way in which this is this is the power that be, and some people who sort of get caught up in the swell of the fanaticism that we see with mm-hmm. the villagers, and then we see other leaders who are not, but for political or just for self-preservation reasons. Uh, I, I love those sort of little bit of narrative pieces about Michael Nykist as the uh, priest and then also the bishop, how they totally see, like, yeah, you're, but we're not going to back you. And then there's the church painter who is like, yeah, this is all sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. And there's no telling how much longer we got. Yeah, and and, and that's just kind of that that does sort it's of a push re- and pull. It really does kind of parallel a, a lot of language and discussion and and conversations that we saw during the Trump yeah. administration amongst religious leaders. Some people are like, well, yeah, this is nonsense, but I can't say too much bad about you know the one guy because it's like being political. The, the there's a way in which you know uh, I think the best of clergy right now are uh, able to sort of take on issues without endorsing party. That's mm-hmm. sort of a thing mm-hmm. that, that, that needs to happen. And there was this sort of fanatical attachment that if you took a contrary issue or you did something that was critical of the administration, it was by nature you had to be, therefore, marked with the political brush. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, that was you know, um, economically, as far as your job, dangerous. Uh, I look at that pastor from Oklahoma on TikTok as a good example, perhaps. You? No, 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 no not me. Um, I don't know about this one, I don't think. Uh, okay, this is this is a little local flavor, dear listener, if you're listening outside this great state of Oklahoma. But Just tune out. There is a TikTok guy uh, called That Pastor from Oklahoma. He has pastored several churches here in Mustang, Yukon. I think he's of a Baptist tradition, but I'm not entirely sure of that. Mm-hmm. He's been published on uh, the New York Times. He's been a guest on CNN, MSNBC, and a few other in the news outlets as sort of like a, a, a spokesman for kind of a progressive mm-hmm. politics version Christianity. And uh, brother can't keep a job. Geo, in, in this state? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder why. And that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, mm, ooh, I, I, mm, I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm not going to say anything. Well, uh, I, again, I, I think he's making a mistake insofar as he is uh, painting to uh, partisan a brush. But um, that being said, it is also pointing out the really, really mistaken, wrongheaded logic yeah. of, of sort of contemporary religious ecclesiology. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like they're... I, there's sort of an imperative at some level to do so. You know, I, I, I the text is right there, and it's sort of all in there. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as what you're supposed to do. And I, Fran, I, I have nothing but uh, deep admiration for Franz. I, I don't know that I have it because mm. he gets yeah. every opportunity to bail. Right. Up he, until the last minute. The very last minute. Yep. They constantly are like, because they don't want to execute him, because then they have to say, well, somebody sees that there's a problem here. Mm-hmm. And they have to yeah. have on the books that there was a conscientious objector. And they keep telling him, well, we're going to make sure nobody remembers you. So this one doesn't even matter. Right. You should just, you know, take the easy way out and, you know, go be at work at an orderly in the hospital or whatever. Well, which is sort of George Eliot's point, right? Yeah. Uh, this idea that <clears throat> you can do the right thing and no one will ever know, but the, the sake of doing it for the right reasons, for your own reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, Eliot is making less of a sort of ecclesiastical kind of Christian uh, point with uh, her novel Middlemarch uh, and uh, the character Dorothea there. Dorothea is sort of just resisting 
not conforming to sort of Victorian values mm. is is the crux of that novel. However, it's still the same idea, being true to yourself, mm-hmm. right? And if you are true to yourself in those kind of ways, you know, certainly there are people who get noticed and remembered, mm-hmm. but most of the time you don't. And uh, the, if you're, that's why you're doing it, it's not really all that great of a reason. I, mean, I, think, I think it makes Franz a greater saint to me. Yeah, uh, because he's like, no, I'm not trying to change the world or yeah. anything like that. I'm just like, I just refuse to go against my conscience. You yeah, know? Well, which brings up that whole conscience makes cowards of us all quote from Shakespeare. I love that. That was very fun. Hmm. Um, which is this idea, which is uh, out of the mouth of the bureaucrat that ends up being the judge, right? When um, Franny goes to uh, Berlin mm-hmm. and tries to plead the case, it is the same guy, isn't it? That ends up being the the head judge that meets with. Uh, I don't know. Right, there's, there's, I don't remember. But he, he, but he put in that, that that sort of bit of Hamlet soliloquy there, the to be or not to be speech into his mouth is pretty fascinating to me because it does seem like he is uh, feeling duplicitous about what's going on, but just goes ahead and toes the line. And well, he doesn't want to wind up dead. Yeah, well, conscious made a coward of him, that's for sure. Um, and I would say why well, the whole reason we got back onto Franz himself is like he sees the charge to be Christ-like and he takes it deadly fucking seriously. Mm-hmm. And as much as it is annoying that this pastor is going on CNN, which is, uh, you know, I've got my whole own issues, that kudos to him for, like, getting out there and being like, I'm taking this seriously and the consequences be damned because that's what it says you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah, I feel bad for him. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. It's a tough place. Uh, and it's, it's not a good spot to be in. Yeah. Uh, the people don't want to hear what they need to hear sometimes. Yeah, well, it, it's sort of the pragmatism, and this is the sort of the fundamental. The way the, the movie's framed is very much in sort of Christian first-century martyrdom stories. I'm sure you're familiar with these um, here in this room, but for the sake of the dear listener, uh, the, the most frequent way in which you identified Christians in which to uh, accomplish martyrdom in the first and second centuries was to get them to say, Hail Caesar. And and offer incense, and those who refuse, you would then execute. Mm. And so the the sort of idea I have to swear the oath to Hitler, the that that sort of particular piece, of course, as a good Roman Catholic, could be very very knowledgeable about these stories of the martyrs, mm. and therefore you know sort of refuses to do the one thing. You know, pragmatically, it's just words. You're right. Pragmatically, it's just a piece of paper. You can believe whatever you want in your heart, and nothing changes. But well, and pragmatically, he has clergy remind. I think it's clergy that reminds him of other verses about like bowing to authority. Yeah, yeah, Romans yeah. thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that's you know, you know me and how I feel about Paul and you know what I consider to be addendums to the red letters. Well, uh, Paul gets worse. Anyway, that's that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Paul, get, Paul gets worse shrift than he deserves. Um, we need to read Paul more closely. That's the problem. Oh. Yeah, nah, but okay. anyhow, Paul is well. Paul is led into Marx. Yeah, Paul to Jesus is led into Marx. Yeah, okay, interesting. That's the um, way to think about it. Anyhow, that's not me. That's Jack. Let's move on, and I want to think about the uh, a couple of choices stylistically in the film because mm-hmm. I think they're pretty fascinating. The use of German language. At times, in a movie that is overwhelmingly in English, yeah. obviously set in Austria, so no one is speaking English at all. Mm-hmm. But occasionally the German is used, but it's not just used by, like, Germans, Nazis, you know. It, it's it's all, used by the villagers as well. Occasionally, yeah. and it's always these sort of heightened times of emotion. And I, my, my closest thing to a read of it is just simply that that is where uh, people are blinded by ideology or blinded by uh, rhetoric of passion of just sort of, you know, unthinking sort of lemming kind of behavior. Yeah. That's when those words come out of their mouths. It seemed to me overall overwhelmingly. And I, I don't know, did you guys have any other thoughts on the choices of when the German dropped and others? Because I tried to figure it out and I never did really get a satisfying no, there answer. Isn't, there isn't like one time it's deployed. Like all of the bureaucracy of the Nazi parties in German. Mm-hmm. All of it. All the prison guard stuff is in German. Any time he has to interface with the political apparatus of his homeland, it's in German. And I think that's really interesting, and it makes a lot of sense. But you're right, though, that like a lot of the sort of incidental chatter is in German, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just, it is more of like, the things that you need to know will be in English, yeah. and if you know German, well, you'll pick up on some of the flavor. But I, I think it's a really interesting choice. And they opt not to subtitle it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I just deliberately like. If you don't speak German, you're going to miss that, and that's fine. You don't. You don't need to. And I, that to me was is when the film is doing it is like, no, this is to remind you of time and place and to give you flavor. 
but yeah, I don't know if there's like a specific, I'd be curious to, to see if Malik, uh, you know, to, to get words from his mouth, you know, he's not really an interviews guy, but I'd be curious to know, like, if, if there was a specific intent, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, the passion is there, but I, I think it's moments where the emotion is, is in the frame. Mm-hmm. Like the emotions all on, on the screen. So you don't really mm-hmm. need the dialogue to yeah. know what's happening. Yeah. Now, now that's to say there isn't emotion in other registers that's in English, mm-hmm. but th- th- specifically the sort of hate field kind of diatribe stuff, you know, that's all there. of that stuff. Well, not all of it, though. Some of it, you know, the mayor's one of the mayor's yeah. big rants is in English. Mm-hmm. So it's not always just yeah. that. Um, but, you know, it's some of it is like when the, you know, Franz is sent away uh, to begin his, his incarceration, uh, you know, that a lot of the like shit talk is in german from yeah like all the stuff that franny is getting from her neighbors is mostly in german Mm -hmm. so you're right there that it is it's often like in a negative context which is interesting it's not but you know there's moments where uh franny and franz's final prayers Mm -hmm. are in german yeah and that to me it's like that's a moment where the film says this is private Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what they're saying. Yeah. This is between them and God. And, you know, you just need to know that they're having a moment of deep crisis. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't know that there's any one way it's deployed. I was I I found myself thinking a lot about as we're talking about. Uh, well, as as I bring up the prayers, I was thinking about the way of nature and the way of grace from, mm, uh, from Tree, Tree of, of Life. Life. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I was just something I was trying to a context I was trying to keep in mind throughout this film. I don't know how much it, it actually plugs in, but I was just, I mean, Franz is a much different father than, than Brad Pitt is. Well, and his father, I think, I think it's his father. It's either his father or Franny's father. Franny's, his father's dead. That's right. That's right. His father died in the war. Yeah yeah. 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 His, that's right. His, his mom is a it. world war one casualty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Franny's father is like a great father yeah. and is yeah. super supportive of what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And is like, I couldn't have asked for better children mm-hmm. for either one of you. And like, and the what mom a sweet moment is pretty bad. Then she comes around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She has a hard time with it. Cause she doesn't want to see her boy suffer. Yeah. I mean, and I, I get that. No, yeah. the fatherland is another story. What do you mean? Uh, the, yeah, yeah. The way of nature and the way of grace. Yeah. 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 That is, that yeah. is sort of, cause you the, have a responsibility father. to the fatherland is the line mm-hmm. that yeah. the priest says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yoinks. Yeah. Nationalism is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying don't to take my word for it. <laughs> yeah. As I was watching this, I was trying to see if there were some connections back with tree of life and mm-hmm. thinking about those. Cause that, I mean, that one's also his other super heightened spiritual, I think tale. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I haven't seen the, other five crowd pleasers he made, but uh, in the last five years or whatever. Uh, but I, I was looking to see thematically if those threads were coming through and, you know, how that all plays out. But I would be surprised if Tree of Life isn't a little more autobiographical in some ways as well. Sure. Yeah, sure. I think so. I would assume. I would assume it as well. Personal, but. Uh, I was thinking about the uh, camera a little bit uh, more. Just yeah. a, another observation formally uh, with the film. I mean, obviously, the, it, it's subjective throughout, mm-hmm. but it only mm-hmm. goes to full-out point of view once. Yeah, when he takes the beating Yeah, from the guard. When he walks into the guillotine is what I was ah, talking so about. so he takes it a couple of times. So, so I, I, I mean, Yeah, one. when he gets beat up by the guard, it's it goes first person. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It does. Yeah, yeah you're right. But I, I was thinking, because it was like a walking camera is when I noticed it. Into the guillotine. Yeah, when he goes into the guillotine. Yeah. And so, well, um, both of them are going to sort of be times of physical violence and physical suffering. Yeah. You know, there. And I, I, I don't know that, what more I can say about it. Well, well I, I mean, he does everything not to give you, I think, a traditional approach to any sort of camera work. As I mean, even the, the shot reverse shot stuff when Annie, uh, Franny and Franz are talking in the... In that kind of final moment before when they have their last mm-hmm. meeting, right? Because it is shot versus shot, but it is, you mentioned that lower up angle mm-hmm. from both sides rather than the traditional over the shoulder. It mm-hmm. is down kind of from the elbow up or from mm-hmm. the waist up. Yeah. Uh, in both of those. But we always get a lot of wide shots and long shots, and there's not a ton of close ups that are traditional close-ups it's yeah i noticed very a lot much of... keeping us kind of at the sides of these conversations mm-hmm. or uh, a bit removed from these conversations in weird ways and and placing us in spaces that aren't natural mm-hmm. to, it's to like us. It, it, it gives it a sense of memory but like i'm watching someone else's memory yeah it, it is subjective mm-hmm. with distance yeah right yeah you mentioned the close-ups too. Like the close-ups that are there are like wide-angle lenses, so they're like big close-ups. Yep. they're not tight on the face. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're kind of yeah. It's all very they're almost interesting. Like very tight medium shots in a way. Yeah, yeah. The way yeah. they sh- to shoot them, uh, which it, is just I don't know. It, it's 
very, I wouldn't say off-putting, but it does keep you a bit removed in a way that traditional editing does try to draw you in. There's also this like kind of floaty quality to some of the handheld work Mm -hmm. where they're really like not afraid to like let it move around a little bit. You know, not in a Paul, you mentioned Greengrass earlier, not in a Greengrass way. Yeah, no. Like in a very like sort of balletic version of that. Lynch does something like this, the sort of floating handheld camera movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's one like, uh, it's, it's when Franz gets back from basic training and like he rushes away from the camera to embrace Franny and then the camera catches up with him. Oh my god, it's man, so, so good, man! I love I, it. It's not a dolly though. It looks like it's like on a steady camera, handheld yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. It, does, it, feel, it doesn't feel smooth enough to be a dolly. Yeah, because it's kind of like has waves to it as it's moving forward. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Really cool stuff. Throughout. I like that the the thing you say about looking at it from somebody else's memory because there is a way in which that you know the traditional camera work and editing wants to draw us into the story and kind of be in in there with the characters and it almost like we're, you know, shot reverse shot where we are almost in the first, but it's like just off of first person mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's a way in which Malik's framing this. He, he doesn't want us in the story. He, he very much wants us there as spectators to see how this plays out mm-hmm. with, with Franz and as Franz wrestles with all of this, uh, in a really, I think interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love a lot about it. Again, thanks Keith. Yeah, um, seriously. I mean, I mean I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking formal thoughts. I haven't thought in a while. So I definitely would not have gotten to this film without being forced to do so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, it's a big commitment. So I, I love to have the excuse to watch it. And uh, I agree. Like, there's so much cool formal stuff in it. Um, I wrote down a quote that I, I kind of invoked earlier without actually talking about. I just want to see if I don't know either of you have big chunky thoughts on it. I think this is a line from the painter. Mm, okay, um, yeah, I loved his speech. So, yeah. He's got some great ones. Yeah, they go. They use him twice. I think he's got two scenes, or is it just the one? I thought it was just the one. I but thought there's they like cut an back interior, to him, exterior. They might have cut back after a yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the thing. elliptical thing that he does. Yeah. So it could have been that way. Uh, Christ's life is a demand. You don't want to be reminded of it, so we don't have to see what happens to the truth. Oh, no. Oof. Yeah. 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 They kill the truth. No, that's right. That's what happens to it. Right. Yeah, I don't know. There's, we've. I just wanted to. I wrote it down because it hit so hard. It's like, ooh, yeah, it's ooh, good. that's good. Ooh, it that's is. chunky. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's all right there. And I, I love. The, I mean, I'm not answering your question really because other than saying yes, yes, very good. <laughs> yes. I, I, other than <laughs> nodding and going, mm, I, mm, I like that. That's that. I concur, that, doctor. That that is indeed tasty. Um, <laughs> but I I do like the insert of the artist that doesn't become the sort of. You know, up your own navel kind of, you know, the artist suffering kind of. Ins- mm. th- there's a way in which those artist scenes could have been, you know, sort of biographical of Malik himself. Yeah, director insert. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not. It's just this idea of painting, you know, creating artifice in order to reckon with a world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is what it's about. and Giving that, people context. Which is clearly what Malik is doing, but it isn't the same, like... I don't know. Hoity-toity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fancy pants, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't do that. It also reminds me a little bit of the Kubrickian influence I see in Malick. Uh, that I hadn't thought about in a while. Uh, again, Kubrick's so cold and whatnot, but there's a a thing with lighting that tends to be done with those big uh, mural scenes and mm. also the candlelit scenes. It really reminded me quite a lot of Barry Lyndon. Mm. Yeah, I and, don't know if it's all natural light, but it's supposed to look like it's all yeah. natural light. Yeah, and and so I just I just you know again just another thought I had sure. watching the movie. Yeah, I, the painter's interesting is like we, we kind of talked about the clergy and how political they have to be. It's, it's interesting to kind of position the artist as like the inherently most political person in the equation as far as like as church sponsored entities go. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the person that's most allowed to like be working outside the margins because nobody's paying attention to them. Right. As long as the murals, murals get put up, nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. As a character. As long as there's, you know, ten Roman numerals on the Ten Commandments, nobody's going to notice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't, yeah. Yeah. Uh, these 15, 15, I mean, 10, 10 <laughs> commandments. <laughs> See, we got jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's render a verdict. Oh, you want to render a verdict already? Uh, well, unless you have one more thing. Well, or a, we haven't even talked about Nikolai. Nikolai. The, the guy he's in prison the, with. The prison with. The, the guy the who's beard. mad at God. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. He's, it's worth talking about him. Yeah, sure. No, we absolutely. We don't get a lot of time with him, but he definitely like is is presented. I don't know. Maybe we need more of him. Uh, a more compelling 
argument from him, he does sort of feel like uh, kind of we, he's thrown in to just be like, and and of course, some people are mad at God. Yeah, and I'm here and I'm a skeptic. I mean, you know, there's a, a great number of socialists and communists that were also in prison and executed during yeah. the uh, Third Reich. And so he seems to be an insert for one of those people. Yeah. And uh, therefore, that is why, you know, oh, you're just here for conscientious objection. Really? Mm-hmm. That this, you know, you're not, you know. Mm hmm want to take the means of production or whatever. And, yeah. and so he doesn't really understand um, Franz's bag at all it, yeah. is what it seems to be more than anything. It's like, I don't, I don't get this. Just, you just don't want to say Heil Hitler because of moral grounds. I mean, I, I also, I mean, for him, I think it would be moral grounds as well. Sure. But, but to, to invoke somebody who's not there in the equation, like is just yeah. makes him, his brain go, what? Yeah. But what, what actually got me here though, is I tried to blow up a train, you know, is what it seems like with Nikolai. I want to know. Yeah. yeah I want to yeah. know what Nikolai's in for. Yeah. It seems like that's more of his, his deal. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just an interesting, like the movie knows it has to reckon with like, it's a movie about Nazi Germany. It has to deal with the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. If like, if we are going to, uh, accept that, uh, God is a force that's working in Franz's life. Like, what is the the flip side of that? Well, he's going to get executed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and there's no squaring that circle at no, the end there's of the not. day. That's why, you know, you beautify him. Is that, am I saying it right? Yeah. Yeah. Blessed. Beatify. You know, I beatif- think. Beatify. Be- beatif- they, the blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why they declare him blessed, because like, you know, he, he lived it. He lived mm-hmm. the truth of it, and the truth of it is they'll kill you every time yeah. you stand up. So it's I don't know it's it's sad it's I, there's just there's not desperately sad it's movie. so sad and yet Malik is like doing his thing as far as like mm-hmm. isn't nature beautiful mm-hmm. isn't it well, great to be one with nature well and those early scenes really work to make it make it pay off there at the end for the pathos you yeah. know the France and, and and Franny scenes together um, there's there's a sense in which you know you see that Austrian kind of humor there's a great little and we don't have to show it or listen to it for the sake of the show uh, dear listener Google Christoph Waltz talking about the difference between Austrians and Germans it is really, I've never seen is this just him like on a on a talk show talk show or something and it's just talking and one of the things is this sort of Austrian kind of humor mm-hmm. and uh, what you see on uh, Francis face is the silliness there's always like the you don't see the actual silly whatever he's going to say or do mm-hmm. but you see it's about to happen a, a few times yeah I know what you're talking on, about you know what yeah. I mean like there's, there's, there's a playful a, energy to his performance yeah just a goofiness yeah. to him you know yeah. they're like this guy is probably a really goofy fun guy you such know? a good performance it really is is great before he just plays sort of you know beaten down and solemn and, 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 yeah. and committed yeah right you know so anyway it's good good performance notes there but no yeah i think you're right the the silliness is absolutely on his face in like several scenes mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's yeah. he's got like a real there's something very kind of charming about his smile yeah i mean again no we talked about the performances franny's like great as well mm-hmm. everybody's yeah, really crushing it in this movie um, I guess now we can render a verdict. Right. Oh, I guess well, one last fun fact. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, what you got? The premiere of this film mm-hmm. was at the home of the three daughters. Of the, the, his living daughters? That's so cool. Just FYI. I was thinking about them that during this. That is so cool. Just imagining. I mean, just wonder what their life is. Yeah. 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 I get, I imagine I'm, pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> Except for my dad's nearly a saint. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about pressure. Yeah, I mean... Because he's got to have, like, I mean, they've got to be in their 90s now, right? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, this yeah. is, what, 1943, so yeah, 80, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably yeah. late 80s. They're quite old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just think about their families. and Yeah. A whole I don't know lineage. Uh, it's easy to forget that the this all happened less than 100 years ago. Right. So recently. It's, it's crazy how yeah, recently so this easy happened. To Those it, little though. blonde girls were still alive. I know, yeah. It's funny just to think about, like, how... That's so cool, though. There's how many corners of the world were still like very old school agrarian up until like the middle yeah. of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. There, there, there's such a cottage core sort of. I don't know. Yeah. Cottage core. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is very yeah, cottage core quality. Absolutely, in this it is. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You're absolutely correct. Right. Yeah. yeah no. I, I mean, that's Malik's whole deal. Like with tree or not tree of life, uh, days of heaven as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Like he loves farms and farming. I don't know if it's cause he's a Texas guy. I yeah. assume so. He lived in Oklahoma for a while too. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. Just yeah. connective tissue. Yeah. I don't know what, what he just, he loves nature. What, mm-hmm. Do we know what he thinks? Is there like a, a, a final? Cause again, like nature is 
portrayed in the Tree of Life as like this not necessarily well, I guess it's somewhat destructive force, right? As, right, as this cruel, uncaring sort of thing that you will collide up against. Well, I think and it's evangelicalism it's... sort of on display there in Tree of Life a little bit. I think he's mm-hmm. using nature as sort of a uh, sort of an uber version of law. Mm. I think, as opposed to grace, yeah, law I, versus grace. I, I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. for him, and so I, I think his his sort of Protestant evangelicalism is coming out there a little bit. Yeah, because I don't know, he, nature is portrayed like so differently here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's just like it's worlds apart from the raptor stepping on the dinosaur's head in Tree of Life, right? Yes. It's yeah. world, you know, the the sunrise coming up over the valley is like so bucolic and mm-hmm. lovely. It's just like it really is like doing something different with the. Uh, the nature stuff yeah than his previous work I, even days of heaven's got like the like the is it a dust storm or a locust locus, swarm locus. yeah yeah it's just you know it's again it's it is nature is only ever like in juxtaposition to like man's cruelty mm-hmm. which is i think is interesting yeah. i could only imagine a new world was mm-hmm. it him he new, does world, new world right yeah he did yeah. new world yeah, yeah. I've never seen I that one. I need to see it. Yeah. I'm curious now. I, I know I saw it, and I have no memory of it whatsoever. Yeah. You and everybody else that saw it, probably. I think, well, I don't know. Depending on, based on the reaction. I can, I can say nothing about it other than I know that I did see it, and I don't remember a bit of it. I just know Carl I've Farrell's seen his first it. two films, and then I've seen his two most critically acclaimed revival films. So that's where we're at. Have uh, you not gotten to Thin Red Line? No. You'd probably I like that to. one. Yeah, Keith yeah. got it for me. I need to watch it. It's good. That's the one that I like the best. Three hours. That one's also three hours, isn't it? I think so. It? It's yeah. like two and a half or three. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was very okay. Thin Red Line? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's... I, yeah, I like it. It's a very different kind of war movie. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I, I like Days of Heaven and Badlands both better. I like Badlands a lot. Yeah. It's I probably my preferred. Need to catch up with it still. And you guys... I don't know. Maybe I'll like Days of Heaven. It's been like 10 years since I've seen it almost. Maybe yeah. I'd maybe like it more. Do you still have my copy of Badlands? Or did you give it I do still have my co- your copy of Badlands. Nice. Yeah. Sinner. I'll get to it eventually. Let's render a verdict, friends. Uh, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting off the rails here. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash? <gasps> Look at that pained face. Man, I think I'm going to shelf it. I, I, just... There's a lot here... I just really like and would pull from, I think, for some very sp- specific purposes. And uh, man, it's it's got a lot of good in it. And there are times where I think it's a lot better than Tree of Life. And there are times where I think it just needs 20 minutes cut off of it or 40 minutes cut off of it and still get the point across. But I think there's something at the core of this. And I think the story of Franz is just mm-hmm. one that needs to be heard. And so that's where I'm at. I'd put it on the shelf. All right. What do you say, Dalton? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Christians so-called Christians acting very evil these days, and it's really disheartening. So anytime you got a story of somebody being like, actually, no, it means being a good person. <laughs> it's kind of useful. Uh, yeah, I'm right there. This isn't going to stream. You know, there's there's no money. And this is 20th Century Fox, or uh, Fox Search, the final Fox Searchlight film before it became Fox Searchlight, a subsidiary of the Disney Corporation. So, like, I don't know. They're probably not going to put this on Hulu a lot. You know, I don't, I don't know that Disney is going to, like, parade this around as part of their catalog so it might be worth owning it might be worth shelving because it is as arthur said like a really powerful profound story it is a challenging watch in terms of the length and sort of the style it can be you know it's not always fighting for your attention it's Mm -hmm. it's letting itself wash over you you kind of got to get it on its wavelength but i think if you can it's very rewarding even if i don't totally love it yeah i think it's it's shelfable just in terms of availability it's not right. really around uh and i think it's worth catching up with yeah this movie is part of why people say righteousness is boring uh <laughs> when it comes to cinema and, and because what it does it's a compelling story i think it but it's because righteousness is so daily mm. it is so over an extended period of time continuing to have made a choice and continue persisting in said choice it reminded me of steve mcqueen steve mcqueen's hunger in that regard mm-hmm. which is another film about being a political prisoner and every day making the choice nope i'm not, still i'm still i still, still refuse not gonna do to yeah. be part of your your system right yeah and uh but i think that's part of its value and mm-hmm. i think it's beautiful in that sense and so I, I like it a lot and for for various reasons yes i would also shelf it uh, maybe with a bit more um firmness than arthur is 
I was getting got very excited there with my coffee cup. Uh, so there you go. That's fair. Um, we're um, we're liking this movie. So if you want to tell us why we're wrong or why it's incredible, 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 not a four and a half star, but a five star movie. I don't know uh, if that's what you want to quibble. Um, Dalton's going to tell you how you can be part of that conversation. Yeah. If uh, you want to let us know what you think about A Hidden Life, you can email us your long form feedback. It's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. That's goodtrashgenrecast, the name of the show you're listening to, at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media, uh, posting links to uh, the shows, uh, posting links to other podcasts in our orbit, fun movie news, stuff we find that we think is interesting. Uh, if you want to be like Keith and Smith and assign a movie for us to watch, uh, that's, you know, if there's a movie that you that does get talked about in a film studies course and you are desperate to hear what we think about it, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. And uh, one of the rewards tiers is it's limited, but you can, uh, yeah, you can be one of the movie pickers. We've only got a few of those folks, uh, but we love, we love getting movies picked for us. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it gives Arthur a break because uh, he very rarely asks for Dustin I's input because, nope. you know, he asks for our input a couple of times a year and we give him about 10 movies total and he adds it to the hopper, basically. Yeah, he doesn't really care what we think at all. No, but he cares what you think. Uh, listener, especially <laughs> if you're a patron. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, th- thank you once again to our friend Keith. And uh, this was a great pick. Uh, really fun to talk about. And uh, again, if you want to become a film picker like Keith, and it's patreon.com forward slash GTM for more information. Arthur, uh, we are now leaving this Patreon pick. Uh, we, we, we were not going into a marathon. It's potpourri style, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and next week, we're going to lighten the mood up a little bit uh, and travel back to the 80s to look at the fantasy cult classic, Willow. Oh, there's some whiplash for you, friends. <laughs> All right. Which I expect we will have wild and varying reactions to. I'm not going to keep the kayfabe up. We've already got this one in the can. <laughs> I, I have a feeling I would have been very disappointed to have this announced after if we had actually <laughs> recorded these in succession i think i would have been very mad that we were coming off the over, high of yeah a hidden life a movie that i only gave willow. three three stars but still like the highs of like cinema yeah you know, ron howard's willow <laughs> all right <laughs> it'll be a, it's a fun talk that's though. how we do it but around our true here. next recording will be a blast so mm. yes indeed so you keep watching we'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.